0: You're listening to Comedy Central. May 1st, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition.
1: and author, here with a new memoir called Life Will Be the Death of Me. Chelsea Handler is joining us, everybody. (laughs) It's a really beautiful book. You want to stay for the conversation. Also on tonight's show, Democrats want the attorney general to resign, Roy Wood Jr. will trick you into caring about the planet, and the world's sexiest accents have officially been announced. So let's catch up on today's headlines. (laughs) Let's kick it off with some major technology news. Yesterday, Facebook the world's biggest social media platform and Instagram for old people, announced that they're switching things up.
0: Facebook's privacy shift, the social network rolling out its biggest facelift in five years.
1: CEO Mark Zuckerberg is promising to do more to protect personal information. He also announced changes to Facebook's app and a new dating feature called Secret Crush.
0: And then Mark Zuckerberg making a joke on privacy that did not exactly land with the audience there.
1: I know that we don't exactly have the the strongest reputation on privacy right now, to put it lightly. But I'm committed to doing this well. Oh. Oh. That was like a vacuum of silence. You know what made the moment worse? Is that he paused for a laugh that never came. He was just like, and that is my joke, pause for laughter. Like, I mean, on the one hand, I feel bad for him, but on the other hand, I'm glad the robots can't take my job. I like that, you know? Yeah, they just don't have the programming. You know that video of the robot who falls down the stairs? That's what that was. It's just like that exact moment. (laughs) Dumb robots. But the good news is, after reading our private messages, Facebook has heard our concerns and says that their new feature is gonna be privacy. Yes, and it's weird that that's a new feature. Like, how is privacy not always a feature? It's like when a fast food chain goes, from now on, we're using 100% real meat. It's like, wait, what? From now on, (laughs) what were we using before? That's not the point. (laughs) But if you're someone who wants a little less privacy, then Facebook has something for you, right? Uh, They announced a new feature called Secret Crush, which basically lets you know if one of your friends has a crush on you, right? So you pick someone, they pick someone, but it doesn't tell you which one of your friends it is unless you link, which I think is a terrible idea. Because right? it's just gonna make people paranoid, right? Yeah, you're gonna know that your friends have a crush, but you don't know who it is. You're gonna try to figure it out every time you hang out. It's just like, <laughs> I love you too, Jamie. No, no. <laughs> then I love you, Melissa. No, not you either, all right. And then it's gonna turn out the crush was your grandmother because she doesn't understand how Facebook works. <laughs> the whole time she's just like, you're my secret crush because you're so handsome and sweet and I'm DTF, down to feed you. (laughs) So let's move on from the changes on your screens to the changes in your job. Since the Me Too movement began, many companies have been looking for ways to improve their working conditions. You know, promoting women to top positions, creating new channels to report harassment, uh, getting rid of wear your bathrobe to work day. And then there are other companies who are just like, "Uh, you know what, let's just shut everything down.
2: In the wake of the Me Too movement, companies are considering stricter policies on physical contact in the workplace. Some people think even a handshake is too much. A recent survey by a job website found most people prefer a total ban on physical contact. Companies that do not have specific guidelines in place should establish them and make sure that employees know the rules. So I guess you stick to a fist bump or maybe just wave from the other side of the office.
1: Yes many companies are considering banning all physical contact to avoid sexual harassment claims. And I like how the newsreader was like, fist bump or waving from the other side of the office. (laughs) That person is more creepy to me. Hi. (laughs) And I'll be honest, I'm not sure if that's the solution, but the part about banning handshakes, I completely agree with. And this isn't even a thing about harassment, alright? I just think handshakes are the worst. And Americans are obsessed with them. You guys love your handshakes. Love it. It's just like, hi Trevor, I notice your hands aren't covered in my feces. Put her there. Come on. Come on. <laughs> There's too many different handshakes. Like I never know what to expect. You know, sometimes it's that intense guy who squeezes the shit out of your hand like a trash compactor. Then there's the sweaty handshake person who feels like they keep their hands in two little tiny saunas the whole time. <laughs> sometimes people give you the dead fish shake. It's just like, here, you do something with my hand. I don't care. <laughs> and then sometimes you get that person who puts the second hand over your hand, makes a little hand sandwich. Why, what are you doing? <laughs> my hand's not a bird. It's not gonna fly away. What are you doing? Hold on, hold on. Well, let's just move your hand. Okay, ha ha, tricked you. <laughs> And finally, finally, if you thought that French is the sexiest accent in the world, think again.
2: But we all have our favorite accents.
1: Mm, But which country has the sexiest way of speaking? You're in luck because somebody did a study to find (laughs) out. Uh, Readers of the international travel site, The Big Seven, voted and decided the people of New Zealand have the sexiest accent. It's followed by the South African accent people like for its unique tones. The third sexiest accent was from Ireland, followed by Italian, and this is what's interesting to me. Australian, can you tell the difference between Australian and New New Zealand? Zealand. (laughs) Okay, so that's the list. Now, don't get me wrong, I appreciate South Africa being on that list, but I think the list is all wrong. All right, I'm not gonna lie. First of all, I love New Zealand, great country, wonderful people, but the accent is not sexy. It's not sexy, right? No one's ever listening to a New Zealand accent getting turned on. When you know those people speak, do you want to have sex? (laughs) Yes. I'm so horny for doing sex right now, yes. I would love to do the rubbing fronts thing, yes. And also, New Zealand and Australia are not the same accent. Australia is much more aggressive, you know? It's like, yeah, like in New Zealand, like, oh, my name is Tiki, and I would like to have sex with you. And then in Australia, they're more like, oh yeah, I'm gonna grind you real hard, mate. <laughs> yeah, just put my shrimp deep in your barber. Yeah, you feel that? Oh yeah, huh? <laughs> and like, the rest of the list is weird. You got Irish, which is just a step away from being Scottish, so come on, and Italian. I mean, maybe some people like plumbers, but I don't hear it. <laughs> In fact, the only accent I'm not gonna argue with is South Africa, yeah. My only question is, only question is which accent, right? Which accent in South Africa are we talking about? Because we have a ton of different accents, right? Are we talking like the traditional South African accent people think of, where it's just like, oh yes, I'm sexy, let's have sex? Or are we talking about like the Mandela accent? Is that what it is? Don't judge me by my success. Judge me by how I can rock your body all night long. Okay, now that I hear it. Yeah. All right, now that I hear it. That's the sexiest one. No, it's really sexy. Time for me to set your body free. It's just like. I was going to do that. All right, let's move on to today's top story The Muller Report. It's the longest running saga that doesn't have Iron Man in it it does have a character who showed up late and became a breakout star. His name is William Barr. He's the attorney general and dad who just found out his son is going to film school. (laughs) You'll remember, you'll remember that before any of us got to see the Mueller report, Barr released a four page summary, which basically said that President Trump was not guilty of collusion or obstruction of justice. And then the actual report came out and it was a lot more complicated than that. You know, Mueller concluded that Trump constantly tried to kill the investigation into himself. But Mueller didn't officially say whether or not Trump's actions counted as obstruction. So it was was like a big jump from the summary to the letter, you know, or the summary to the report. Like going from Barr's summary to the actual Mueller report is like being told how the stork brought your baby brother and then watching the video of the actual childbirth. Very different experiences. (laughs) So many people were upset about how misleading Barr's summary turned out to be. And now we're finding out that Mueller himself was also not impressed bombshell letter. What we now know about how Robert Mueller really felt about the attorney general's report on the Russia investigation. In a letter, Mueller told Barr his message to Congress, quote, did not fully capture the context, nature and substance of Mueller's views on obstruction of justice. Mueller wrote to Barr, there is now public confusion about critical aspects of the results of our investigation. This threatens to undermine a central purpose for which the department appointed the special counsel to assure full public confidence in the outcome of the investigations. Mueller was especially mad that Barr's letter made the public more confused about his report, not less. You know, Barr's letter was basically the Justice Department equivalent of every announcement on the subway. You know, it was just like, mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the Mueller report found that the a terrible block on a crime. It's family at collusion and Donald Trump and all the deals are having a for 10. Next up, the scandal fire, fire a <laughs> Wait. So, did you say there was collusion? Collusion? not And where's the train going? I told you to save to So, it came out. <laughs> no, you know, I just thought of it. We always assume when we're on the subway, we always assume that it's like a speaker issue. Wouldn't it be funny if the person's like, "Found train"? And then you're like, "Hey, man, can can you come out and speak to me?" And they're like, "Ah, I'm, I'm on my way." And then they come in the train. You're like, "What are you saying?" And they're like, "I'm on my my way." (laughs) So, so it came out that Robert Mueller was unhappy with how the Attorney General spun the investigation to make Trump look good. And because Barr was scheduled to testify in front of Congress today, the Democrats used Mueller's letter to paper cut Barr to pieces.
0: Mr. Barr. Now, the American people know that you are no different from Rudy Giuliani or Kellyanne Conway or any of the other people who sacrificed their once. Decent reputation for the grifter and liar who sits in the Oval Office. America (laughs) deserves better. You should resign. Wow.
1: Man, you know you messed up if you made a senator from Hawaii mad. (laughs) Yeah, people from Hawaii don't get mad. They, They live peacefully with volcanoes. You understand, the earth beneath them is literally exploding, and they're just like, on the hill. But don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Even though the Democrats were coming off the bar, <laughs> he didn't show up to just be their punching bag. No, when he got his chance, he made it clear that there was nothing wrong with his summary because it wasn't a summary at all.
0: We were not trying to summarize the 410 uh, page report. I told Bob that I was not interested in putting out summaries. I thought summaries by very definition, regardless of who prepared them, would be under-inclusive. But as I said, I wasn't interested in putting out summaries. I'm not trying to capture everything. I'm just trying to state the verdict. No, you just absolutely used the word summarize, though, in your letter. Summarize the principal conclusions. Principal conclusions, which most people would view as a summary. Wow.
1: That was the most exciting, boring fight I've ever seen in my life. It's not a summary, it's a summation of principal conclusions. <laughs> like, if you've ever wondered what the opposite of Star Wars is, it's semantic wars. <laughs> so in summary, Barr said that his summary wasn't a summary. All right? He also went on to say, the only reason we're all confused about what the Mueller report means is because Mueller didn't do his job. Attorney
0: General Bill Barr, defiant, saying he did not understand why Mueller did not make a decision on obstruction. Was it special counsel Mueller's responsibility to make a charging recommendation? Uh, I think the deputy attorney general and I thought it was. If he felt that he shouldn't go down the path of making a traditional uh, prosecutive decision, then he shouldn't have investigated. Why were those investigated if at the end of the day you aren't gonna reach a decision on them?
1: Hmm, I gotta say, even if you don't like Barr, you have to agree that he raises a good point. Like Muller was brought in as a super detective, but instead of solving the case, he just laid out the evidence and then walked away. That would be the worst episode of Sherlock Holmes ever. (laughs) It's pretty clear what happened here, Watson. The blood spatter ends in the hall. The door was open on the inside and the gunpowder blew in the direction of the bedroom, which means the killer is in this room. <gasps> oh no, who is it, Sherlock? Well, that's not my job. Uh, <laughs> hopefully someone will summarize it for you. All right then, everybody, goodbye. <laughs> that's what he did. So Barr basically spent the entire hearing being defensive and combative. And his story is that although Muller's letter berates him for his bad summary, he says that when Robert Muller called him and they spoke on the phone, they were basically on the same page. But when senators asked for proof of what happened on that phone call, Boss said, uh, I've got your proof
0: right here. Did anyone, either you or anyone on your staff, memorialize your conversation with Robert Mueller? Yes. Who did that? Uh, there were notes taken of, of the call. May we have those notes? No. Why not? <laughs> Why should you have them?
1: Okay. Uh, America. I feel like I've discovered a fundamental flaw in your democracy. You have no defense against someone just being a dick. Seriously, look at Senator Blumenthal's face. Like, he cannot believe. What just happened? He's, he's just like, what, 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 Like, he has the face white people pull when they get shut down in public. <laughs> you know, people are like, I want to see the manager. It's like, get the out of here, lady. Ain't no manager at TJ Maxx. <laughs> 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 Do you know that I'm white? So after a full day of Senate hearings, we are no closer to getting more clarity on the Mueller report. Democrats believe that it proved what they wanted to say. Republicans think that they proved the complete opposite. And because Barr has now refused to show up to testify to the House tomorrow, it looks like a potential Mueller hearing is the Democrats' last hope. And look, I don't know if Barr is a good attorney general. I do know that I wish he was in charge of Facebook, because then, The Russians would never get their hands on our data. This guy doesn't give anything out. They'd be like, give us data on all American votes. He'd be like, why should I? (laughs) Because we ask you, why don't you ask these nuts? (gasps) I want to see manager. We'll be right back. My guest tonight is a comedian, activist, and best-selling author whose new book is called Life Will Be the Death of Me. Please welcome Chelsea Handler. Welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you for having me, Trevor Noah,
1: and congratulations on another New York Times best-selling book, number one. Thank New you, New York Times Thank best-selling you. book. Congratulations, that's huge. <laughs> um, a lot of people have always loved your writing. I was interested and, and shocked, to be honest, at how much heart this book had. I knew it was going to be funny, but I, 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 was, I was really taken by, by just how vulnerable it was. What, was this a departure for you, just, like, literally pouring your insides into a book?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, i have made a career of oversharing my personal life in, <laughs> in inappropriate ways. So this felt like the first time for an opportunity for, not the first opportunity, but the first opportunity I looked at as an opportunity to overshare in a positive way. Right. With something that was kind of like heart, you know, gut-wrenching for me to go through, but necessary. And uh, so I was eager to share it because I was eager to get it off of my plate, you know, and and discover and understand why I've been such a bitch for so long, what my issues were. So having a professional break that down for me, you're like, oh, paying somebody to tell you what your issues are. I was like, oh yeah, I can take this. Give me more, give me more. Um, But the responses is what I wasn't expecting. The responses from people who have, who are all, we're all just going through the same thing. You know, we're 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 all struggling. In
1: different ways. I, I won't, I won't lie. I always thought that part of Chelsea Handler was a character, you know, and then you read in the book and it's like, no, you, you basically say that for a good 30 years, you never shed a tear. You never really engaged in your emotions. You, you were just fighting against the world. And it all stemmed from the death of your brother when you were nine years old. That's, that's a powerful exploration to go to in your mind through therapy. Why was therapy so important?
2: Well, therapy was so important because I was so upset about the election when Donald Trump became, um, <laughs> you know, our president. You know. You're being
1: serious about this, by the way. You, you... No,
2: no, I'm being very serious. <laughs> I had like a mental, like, I was like, oh, uh, no, 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 no. I can't deal with this reality. Like, that represented to me, which I'm sure most of the people watching this program feel um, similar to, I felt like the world became unhinged. And I had, and finally, I had all this energy to place my anger towards Donald Trump. Finally, I had something to be pissed off about other than just being a bitch. Now I could be a bitch towards him. (laughs) So, it was a (laughs) (laughs) you know? And so then when I start started talking to my psychiatrist, Dan, who I speak of in the book, you know, he said, you know, it took me a while to circle the drain a little bit about what I was really angry about. And through that discussion, which took weeks and months and, you know, over a year, it was Donald Trump represented to me what happened when I was nine years old and my brother said he was coming back and never came back. My world became unhinged. So this was a trigger for me. Damn. So, and I know this was a, it turns out, Donald Trump's been a trigger for millions of people. Um, so I'm really- I'm really glad that I shared it, because you know what? I wanted to make something positive happen under this administration, and I didn't want them to rob me of another year of my life.
1: That's powerful. It it really is a a powerful journey to be on. I also love that, that that you take digs at yourself in the book. There's ways that you explore your life, um, not just as a, a celebrity or a famous person, but also somebody who's living a very privileged life, both as a rich person and as a white woman. And that was interesting for me because most people talk about white privilege like it's an outside thing. And then you were like, oh, no, 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 I, I'm rocking white privilege hard. Yeah. That was like a really interesting way to frame yeah, it. Why yeah. did you do it that way? Yeah,
2: I'm killing the white privilege. I'm like, yeah, over here, give me more. Um, <laughs> i didn't realize i was part of the problem i think every white person who doesn't think about white privilege is part of the problem not the solution um so for me to wake up and go wait a second i am this is look at all that i have yes you can argue that i'm talented you could also argue that i'm not talented you could argue that i'm whatever it's a matter of luck a lot of luck and a lot of privilege a lot of things being rewarded or given to me as a reward for bad behavior, you yeah. know, my first book was about one night stands, and they're like, "Oh, excellent! Bring it!" It was a new, you know, and then that was a success. Yes. And then my second drink, uh, my second book. Me. <laughs> <laughs> See where <this> is going? <laughs> I always mention drink when I'm sober. It slips out. It's like whoa, whoa. whoa.
1: Oh, where is everything I need? Yeah, but that has been a journey. One of my favorite things I learned about you was, like, you're so impatient that sometimes you'll go to a store and you want a magazine, but you don't want to go to the line, and so you just walk out with the magazine, wave like a $20 bill at the security camera, l- drop the bill down, and walk out. And you, like, you say, you're like, a black person could never do that, which is completely true.
2: Well, what I said when I told my doctor, he goes, give me an example of your impatience. And I told him that story begrudgingly because it's embarrassing. And I said, you know, I waved the, the thing into the security camera. I'm like, I'm not trying to steal. I'd like to pay, but I just can't deal with the slowness of the transaction. <laughs> And you just, just walk too out. No, and he said he looked at me with a funny face, and he goes, "Oh," and I go, "Is that is that white privilege?" And he's like, "No, white people don't do that either." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I will tell you one of the craziest things I saw. It reminded me of, of of something I saw in New York City. That genuinely, I was just like, "Wow, that's like only a white person could get away with this." We were, we were in a store. I don't know if it's like an H and M or Zara or one of those. And there was a woman who was in the store, and she like had like clothes with her, and she just walked out. And then like the beeper went off and it was like under her arm and everything. And then the beeper went off and then the security guard was like, hey, hey. And then she was like, oh, sorry, I don't want this. And then she just gave it back yeah. and then left. And the security guard was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I was like, she, she just walked out with the, with the yeah, shit. Yeah,
2: yeah, I don't play like that. I'm not trying to <laughs> you steal. You waive the money. I want to give you the money. I just want you to take it faster. <laughs>
1: Let's, um let's talk about what else Chelsea is getting up to. Um, I'm you doing have... a tour for the book.
2: I'm going to places like Clearwater, Florida. I haven't been on a tour in five years. Are I you...
1: Wait, is this, is this part of the Netflix tour, or is this a separate tour?
2: No, it's part of the book tour. I'm doing a tour. You're doing, of so DC. you're doing a
1: book yeah. tour, and then yeah. you're going to be doing yeah. another stand-up yeah. special. And you're doing a stand-up special about white privilege.
2: Uh, no, I did a special, a documentary on white privilege. Yes. It's hard to keep up with all my privilege. There's just so many projects. <laughs> how,
1: many, how many projects are you doing? So you're, you're writing books, you're making TV shows, you've got documentaries going on. Um, You're still doing stand-up as well. Um, I'm a doula. Are you being serious? No. No, 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 no. You see, I believed you. I, I, I believed you. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about your foray into the weed business. That's that's oh, an interesting yeah, to thing. Oh yeah, into the weed.
2: Well, I think if we're gonna have to, yeah, we should all be into the cannabis.
1: But it, but it's a specific it's a specific strain of weed that you're that you're championing.
2: I'm very I'm an advocate. I'm coming out with my own weed line. I feel like if we're gonna have to deal with this administration, we should also be legally allowed to smoke cannabis. <laughs> The whole country, everybody needs to get on board. It grows out of the ground and it's our friend. So yes, I'm doing a lot of um, research because I'm coming out with my own cannabis line in probably the end the fall.
1: And what makes it special?
2: Well, I'm trying to isolate the strain THCV which kind of kills your appetite since it's like um, you know that's a problem for a lot of people they don't want to take edibles or smoke weed because they're scared they're going to eat
1: what the munchies yes yes, yes.
2: don't act like you just heard about it trevor so you're to...
1: no 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 i'm just you're saying like i'm just like the munchies just be like i'm trying to make yeah, weed right. that doesn't give people the munchies exactly
2: thank you that's what i'm trying to do i want girls to be able to smoke it and not feel like they're going to pig out
1: oh i like that that's a, a different i want weed that only gives me munchies <laughs> No, I'm serious. I just, like, I like... You don't feel bad after you eat all that stuff? I don't remember that I ate all of that oh. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> then there you have it. I just wake up the next day, and there's, like, Doritos packets everywhere. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Who did this? Weed is
2: just so much more pleasant, you know? It's changed it's, your life. It's totally changed my life. Because you,
1: you are known as being fond of the alcohol. Yeah, and, and, and bloated.
2: Um, and I'm no longer bloated because of the cannabis, so and I'm so, excited. So the,
1: so the weed... You've said that the weed has tempered your drinking.
2: For sure, definitely. Because you don't have to drink as much when you, or at all, when you're when you have a little buzz. Right. The weed kind of cuts my reaction time in half, which for me is the benefit. You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't want to say everything that comes up (laughs) in my mouth. I I also want to be quiet. I just don't know how. So for weed, for me, has helped me meditate. It's helped me be quiet, focus, sit still a little bit more instead of being in your face all the time. Right. I realized I was a little annoying.
1: I'm loving this. I don't know if you're on weed right now, but either way, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Chelsea Handler, everybody. Thank you so much for being on the show. Life Will Be the Death of Me is available now. And go to ChelseaHandler.com for tour dates. Thank you so much.
0: The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at TheDailyShow.com.